First of all, let's get one thing straight. I never heard of the red shoes. I never saw the red shoes. I don't give a shit about the red shoes. I came to New York because I wanted to be a rockhead at Radio City. Because there was this girl in my hometown, Betty Lou Heiner. She had actually gotten out. She made it in New York. She was a rockhead. One Christmas, she came home for a visit. And they gave her a parade. A goddamn parade! (laughs) Hello and welcome to Beyond Bechdel, the podcast about film and feminism. In this episode, I speak to actress Helen Hamer, who talks us through what it's like to work in theatre, film and TV. Helen discusses getting into drama school, the acting school experience, through all the way to the casting process and the surprising ways that gender shapes an actress's career. We then cast our eyes over the history of female parts in plays and musicals before Helen talks through her favourite roles and Beckdale passing movies. It was a pleasure to speak to Helen about her experiences, but I should warn you that some of her experiences are less of a laughing matter than they may seem. Without further ado, here's our conversation. You have been asked to come on the podcast because not only are you my friend, but you are also a trained actress. And um, we talk a lot on the podcast about films and TV programmes, the final finished product, and people behind the cameras or writers or directors and um, application of the Bechdel test. But I wanted to know what it was like from someone who's been at the coalface working in the profession and whether maybe you come up against any discrimination from being a woman. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you want to start with uh, your journey. Why did you decide to go into acting in the first place? Well, I think I was six or seven years old and I'd been in a pantomime at church. That I can't remember what that was. <laughs> <laughs> but I badgered and badgered and badgered my mum uh, to take me for drama lessons. So I... I think I was seven when I started doing speech and drama at uh, a local place in Keithley. I'm from West Yorkshire, um, which is not the height of drama and not the height <laughs> of where everything goes on, although um, there was a big theatre in Bradford. So um, I started doing speech and drama and I think, honestly, at that point, I just decided, that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> that's going to be my life. That's what I want to do. Um, but you were pretty, that's pretty I was young all, and to I was make like, the decision. Yeah, yeah, it's quite. And I was already musical because at five, I wanted to play the piano, I think, before that. But she wouldn't take me until I was six. So I had to wait to go for piano lessons. But I was pretty adept at that. And I was pretty good at that. Um, so I already was musical. And so... And that just felt like the natural thing to do. Um, And definitely my decision, not my mum pushing me into it or any of that kind of thing. Definitely didn't have a pushy mum. I had to badger and badger and badger. So um, I did that for a few years. And then she said there was a a part-time stage school for, I think I started there when I was 11, 10 or 11. So I think they did take them younger, but it was a big thing at teenage years we went that we did on Thursday nights um and a local friend of mine Hannah she also decided to go around the same time as I did so I think I went first and then after a while I found that she was going so then we shared lifts because it was quite far away it was in Bradford a place called stage 84 on on weekends no on Thursday nights Thursday nights for two hours at school and then at school and then I'd go to a tap class tap dancing class and then I would go from there to a 30 minute journey to Bradford well 
sort of on the outskirts of Bradford yeah. to stage 84 classes and they were two hours long and we did kind of musical performances there. You could take then speech and drama separately and that's what I did. So I did separate speech and drama lessons there with uh, the woman who ran it, Valerie Jackson's daughter, Alison. Um, she had a different surname, she's married, I can't remember. Um, let's, let's go back a bit. So yeah. what kind of thing were you doing? We were doing... Joseph we took to a big awards it was known for being the only kind of part-time stage school around and kids got into tv through that and she always had a load of kids going for things locally so it was the place to be if you wanted to be on the stage on the screen anything um and from an early age um (laughs) Helen has two cats we're in her flat (laughs) they might be speaking during the podcast we'll see if they uh, also like uh, make a star hopefully not anyway um yeah so musical theatre was a big part of it musical theatre was a big part of it because you are multi-talented because you can sing you can play instruments and you can act yeah um I, I don't remember having to audition to get into this place, uh, but my mum knew her, so it was like Were my mum knew her. Were fees payable? Yeah, yeah, we had to pay fees. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, fees for the drama lessons, fees for the two hours a night as well, and my mum and dad had to fork out all for that when mm. we didn't have that much money. Um, so I continued on with my piano. I left the initial sp- speech and drama classes I used to go to, but she understood why, and... <clears throat> I did that for five years, four or five years. Then I had my... So every week, uh, except for when there were holidays, and then a show, what, every term or Yeah, we like did that. a show at the Alhambra, which yeah. is the big theatre in Bradford. Um, we And we that was the big prestigious thing, yeah. because kids don't normally get to perform there, certainly not on a whole thing. <clears throat> and she had to pay a lot of money, I think, to do the theatre performance there, so... And then if we were doing that show, we had to go for Sunday rehearsals and that would be all of Sunday gone as well. Yeah, so you're at school five days a week. You're yeah. doing these Thursday nights or whenever yeah, it as well as my piano lessons, as well and, as yeah. tap dancing lessons and as well yeah. as then Sunday rehearsals. But you, want, but you wanted to do everything. Yeah, it seems I to, to me everything. that um, you knew from a very young age that work was required. Yeah. Or it wasn't work. So. Maybe it wasn't work. I, piano lessons sound like work. <laughs> Sunday rehearsals well yeah I guess it's the time you're doing it all felt a bit of a drag a lot of the time to be honest because it it, a lot lot of sitting around waiting to do stuff but um but I knew it's what I wanted to do and I did enjoy doing it and also had lots of friends who were doing it at the same time you get friends when you're there um I think I left when I started doing my A-levels because I decided that I needed to concentrate on my A-levels that I was doing which I did music and theatre studies and with always an eye to get into drama school I always had that in my head and um, I didn't ha- I didn't even need the grades to get in because it was done on audition. You had to apply for UCAS, but it didn't really mean anything. It was mm. done on audition and a writ- and obviously your personal statement. did They did consider that, but they also got you to write a review of some theatre that you'd seen. So that's how they measured it. Okay. You definitely didn't have to be academic to go because that's the point of it. You don't have to be. Yeah. So... But you had to, you had to show more than just a fleeting... Oh, I want to be on TV, yeah. and so therefore I'm going to go to drama school. Yeah. It yeah. sounds like you had like this whole body of work already, even as a teenager. And they do like that was a big thing when you go to drama school. They looked for people who had life experience as well. They they turned a lot of people away who were 
18 they wanted them to have life experience before really they went, yeah. so often people didn't go to drama school straight away straight away they'd have a gap year or two gap years yeah. and then they'd go um but then you get accepted yeah and, and to be honest that my year a lot of 18 year olds did but hit, i think this is where we'll come to the first point of where you start to see discrimination in women and men in the um Theatre arts, creative arts. Yeah, theatre, film. Well, in the in the performing arts. Performing industry. arts. That's yeah. the word I was looking for. Or um, so I remember being at my audition. So I went to the Liverpool Institute for Performing Arts, um, but I did an audition for a few at the time. Um, and I, but one of my early auditions was at Lippa. So I went to the audition, and they told us that out of I think it was who were that's a backtrack. Who were they? So at the audition. You would have the head of acting and three acting tutors, and I think they were all there in some kind of way. And what were their genders? You can see where I'm going with this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, two women, two men. Okay. Yeah. Liking it so far. <laughs> and the head of acting was a woman. Right. <clears throat> and well, and well revered and well known and still well revered today. Yeah. Um, in performing. Yeah. More. The audition day was a whole day. Um, in the morning, I think we did like workshops and things. In the afternoon, we did our re- rehearsed speeches. So they got us to rehearse a speech. They got us to devise a performance, and then we had to do uh, improvisation, which I hate, I still hate. <laughs> <laughs> I listened to someone the other day, and they went, "I think you're in two camps. You either love improvisation." Oh, you don't? Yeah. And I was like, "Yeah, I'm in the other camp. I'm in the other camp too. <laughs> I'm, other I'm not camp. even sure I necessarily like." watching it if I think it's been improvised as well because I think there's there's potential for greatness and potential for terribleness yeah but and but then that's why you have to be brave to do yes yeah oh yeah uh, yeah and it's hard yeah Yeah. so sorry yes so so on my audition day um and I had to sing a piece as well had to sing a a something and I I think I sang something from Miss Saigon nice it was it, yeah. Which they later would tell you not to do because it's too well known. But it was all right from ah. <laughs> that um, perspective. So on this day, which was actually a really good day, I did my speech that went well. Did my song that went well, and then I did an improvisation which went well because I was paired with someone who was very funny, and it actually was you could really riff funny. Off of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, excellent. Um, so that that all went well. I felt, um, and then it came to question time. Some of the questions, one question I remember that came up was, I think they had 30 places and I think they had about 4,000 applicants for those 30 places. Okay. Um, and they would audition as many of those people as they could. So they said, why, I remember someone saying, why do you take more men than women or boys than girls? Because we're, we're still teenagers at this point. So why so do you someone take... Someone asked uh, why do you take, a group of... That's why do you take more boys than girls? And was it a girl, I'm guessing, who asked... That? I can't remember. Yeah, okay. Um, probably. I'm just assuming that's why. <laughs> I think it probably was. I can't imagine me. a guy would yeah, say that. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> why, why should you should be taking 19. less guys, but take me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and they said, because there are more parts for boys. <gasps> that's why. And I, until, until that point, I had, I mean, I, I knew that... So you were 18? I was 18, yeah. yeah. And... Up until that point, I'd known that there are less boys in the industry than there are girls. That's just a fact. Yeah. Like, more girls want to do it. There were less boys. And in those times as well, like, you probably have... We have more LGBT 
QT, whatever it is, uh, <laughs> a very long acronym now, yes. um, more, more of that acceptance around. So less in, inhibition in boys or guys coming to the fore to do this. Are you trying to say that the negative connotation about um, uh, you're, you're gay if you're a guy who likes to sing and dance because yeah, I think it, it, it was definitely that, more that there was there was definitely oh it was definitely more prevalent then yes. and still will exist today but just mm. not in the yeah. same it's far more accepted yeah socially especially in this yeah. country than it was then I still um, can't get over just a quick digression that you know we, we just used to say things were gay in the playground when we were like eight years old and nobody thought about it for a second and yeah. it was always you know as that meaning some negative connotation we did not we weren't even allying it I don't think sexuality. anyone knew really what it meant because I remember no, watching the chorus line with my sister yes. and he went it's the it's just a time I realized I was gay and I went to my sister what what does gay mean and she's mm. like oh if you don't, I think she said something like, "You don't know what that is." And I was Do you like, think she didn't? No. Yeah, <laughs> I felt really. She yeah. just made, made me feel bad. I went and I asked my mum, and my mum explained it. So Aww. then I knew. Good for you for asking, <laughs> though. Yeah, um, I think that's yeah. Sorry, my my quick point being, um, yeah, uh, this is the thing about the society you live in uh, culturally that things are considered a norm and it's only looking back now and being in you know hopefully better times that um you realize how out of order things were that you know if you went back in time and you were 18 now you would be like oh my god yeah that's what people yeah. thought anyway so and so so i knew so there that, are more yeah. male parts there are more male parts and less and less males in the industry to play them. Yeah. Than there are girls in the industry. And so you said, you were, sorry, there were 30 places and 30 how places. many people? Well, interestingly enough, um, they accepted, Darren then told us that they normally take more guys. That's that's how it is, because there are more parts for boys. But they won't do that if talent right. is not yeah. the thing. In, in the real world, talent isn't the thing that's the most important thing. But at drama school, that is pretty much, that should, and it should be the most important thing. So if, if you've got a, a guy and a girl and she's like far more talented than the guy, they're not going to take the guy on that. They have to make it somewhat equal, but they don't have to, and, and in their eyes, they'd normally take more guys. But if the, 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 if the talent is not there, they're not going to do it. Yeah. So there are two issues there. One, they're probably in the 30 places they might like if everybody was equally talented i know you can't do that yeah. but let's say if everyone was very good yes they might take 20 guys and, and 10, 10 girls. girls and perhaps it, not that yeah. skewed more like maybe 12 and yeah. 18 okay yeah. but that's still that's that's like yeah that's still that's year on year so you're mm-hmm. building up years and years of talented people yeah. so that's one point and the second point is that of the yeah, 3,500 people, the chances are there were less men, less boys, whatever, yeah. male, male identifying. Male, yeah. uh, because you could be with different ages, yeah. right? Yeah, sorry, yeah, male identifying in the first place. Yeah. And then if you have, let's say you've had the first two weeks and you've found some really talented young women, surely, though, if you have more male parts, you're then going to let the less talented not quite as talented as you would have liked males come in in case you're worried that they have to have some balance yeah so in my year it was pretty evenly split because I remember thinking about this I I held on to that comment and I hadn't thought about it ever until that point when it was mentioned and and then I holding on to that comment I remember thinking back and uh, thinking at the time 
our year is actually pretty 50 I think there were 15 guys 15 girls so I, th- I think it was good. an yeah. equal split I knew it wasn't like that in the year below the year below was definitely more boys than girls and that's so you could see that that is, was the case but yeah. and also factor into this that at the time we they had their fees paid from the government so 15 15 but it was yeah. definitely more boys and, and i'm guessing you knew that because you interacted like productions and and things were between well, we, we were very um yeah we were actually in the first week they tried to get us all to meet each other and do tasks together so that we would know each other so that we would pass on information and be yeah. helpful and helpful towards each other it was not set up to be competitive no even if that mm. occurs <laughs> yeah um yeah. At the time, um, the the government wasn't giving a lot. Of, they weren't giving a lot of fees to UK universities. Um, I think my parents had to pay a thousand pounds a year, which I know is <laughs> totally worse yeah, now. Is, it doesn't it, even exist like that now. But even but, then, but even for then, some families now or then, a thousand pounds a year is a lot of money when everybody else was going to other universities yeah. that didn't have to pay. So I think we can we can put it within the relative time. Yeah. I mean I mean my sister who's five and a half years older got a full grant and didn't have to pay any fees. And then when it got to me, I think my parents the circumstances had changed somewhat. They didn't even bother applying for the grant like the, the, the means tested part. So they just decided they were gonna pay a thousand pounds. So actually what you found was a lot yeah. of drama schools do, did have like nine thousand pound fees yeah. if you're going to them and then you'd have to apply for a lottery grant if you wanted to get someone to pay, pay for it this was classed as a university course a degree course it was affiliated to a university so yeah. it was drama school in a sense and they and what they did to get that was the the written part was diminished to the tiny to the least <laughs> bit it could be to pass for a degree that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that it was actually the most practical it could be but still pass as a degree and for that meant that it was classed as a university course so, so you had a a BA would be what yes, you would I have. Do, a Bachelor yeah, of Arts have a Bachelor would be of Arts, what you had yeah. at the end. So yes. in performing arts in brackets acting, that's yeah. what it is. So, um, and so it, now we're fully into drama school and you're there for three years. Yeah, well, what I was going to say is that um, they auditioned a lot of foreign students as well because they pay more. Um, so we weren't all, and we had some Americans, we weren't all... British coming through the UK. But, it's, but it sounds like English was a first language or a very... You needed to speak English We had some well. Norwegians who, were, who yeah. did have to speak English, at least yeah. here, which, as you know, Norwegians is very good yeah. at English. Was so, everybody very white as well, just from the countries you've mentioned? Well, I don't know about America or Canada, but I am... Yes. I'm... In f- fact, I know that in years that came up, we had more ethnicity in those years, but definitely not in mine. And then that just displays the the cultural differences and yeah I, I i don't remember whether that would be the fact that it wasn't such a big thing back then to choose well it's certainly what people diversity but i mean your the, reputation as an institution would not have been affected yeah by you not picking and, and it depends how many Rachel yes and it depends how much diversity they had in the audition process and how good and how talented yeah. they were because really it comes down to talent and that's okay. what they would say to us um but but then again, if they're thinking along diverse, diversity lines or more parts for boys, for instance, mm. there are more parts f- for ethnicities because there are just not the pool of people to play them. Yeah. So yeah. that's then what they would have started to think as they went along yeah. in subsequent years for definite. That's our other that podcast <laughs> when I interview a black male actor about their experience. For sure, yeah. yeah. Um, mm. 
So they might, yeah, of course there are not that many diverse parts, but there's really a lot smaller pool to choose from, so their chances of getting a part is better than mine, say. Yeah. As a white woman, for sure. Because there are if so they many white women. If they get to that point be... where they audition in the first place and they are deemed to have the talent. Which I would think is the case now, because as long as they, they themselves believe they can, it's no different from the next person, especially at drama school, I would say, because there are those parts in TV, and we, we know there are. Yeah, and if anything, they're being put forward more, so maybe yeah. drama schools are thinking, I, I, you know, almost, you know, positive discrimination. I don't want I to have a white man. So. I want to have a black woman, because I think there are more of that. I expect so. Well, yeah. well, and certainly not the white women, because yeah. there are definitely <laughs> too many of them and not enough parts for them. <laughs> yes, there's a whole, again, there's always a separate issue, like in... Uh, dovetailing off of all of it not dovetailing sorry like a it's like a um what do you call a tree diagram where you just think oh uh gender oh race oh hang mm-hmm. on a minute there aren't that many parts of women so hang on you've got to get someone into either right a part for women or you've got to get the industry to be okay with changing a male part yeah. which i would have thought is what's happening a, a, a lot more nowadays with like shakespeare and Yes, although they still have all male Shakespeare. Yes. (laughs) Even though there's barely any parts in Shakespeare plays anyway for women. (laughs) So let's take those away from the women. Yeah, Yeah. boo. Okay. Yeah, Um, yeah. so I guess women fighting back saying let's have an all-female because there is yeah. zero parts of women. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not even really re- <laughs> redressing the balance, but it's, mm. it's well, it's also making a point, I suppose. Yeah, so, maybe. And also I think that, you know, let's talk about Shakespeare quickly. So, you mm-hmm. know, the greatest playwright. Um, uh, and aside, I've been reading up a lot about Shakespeare not being Shakespeare and maybe being Sir Francis Bacon. I don't know if you ever learned this at theatre school. <laughs> or certainly I don't believe one person wrote all of the first folio or whatever it is. So, well, I would think it was probably collaborative at the time, and he was the let's say directing it, and perhaps then yeah, he wrote ahead. it down. Yeah, and he wrote it down as as it went along, and it was probably changing yeah. all the time. But as for someone else writing them, I don't really you don't buy think into so. That. Okay, <laughs> we agree to disagree. But I'm literally this is all new to me because um, there's been all this like analysis of handwriting and types of plays. Yeah, and the, yeah, the, the person who was born in Stratford upon Avon couldn't possibly have had all the worldly knowledge. You know, all the words he invented and places he went to. Could that be the same person? But sorry, this is just something I've well, just I mean, come he never up went, with in the last. He week. definitely never went to those places. No, so, but, but that doesn't mean you can't write plays about them. Yeah, and you would hear read. about them and yeah, whatever. Sure, exactly. but, but um, yeah, that's interesting uh, he was, his father was well off though they were well well off family so, in Stratford yeah family. yeah anyway Again, yeah so everything's that... a subject. <laughs> sorry it's just so exciting to talk about this yeah but I want to talk about then I've gone and talked about William Man Shakespeare <laughs> boo what a piece of work is a man how noble in reason how infinite in faculties Inform and moving, how express and admirable in action, how like an angel, in apprehension, how like a god. The beauty of the world, the paragon of animal, and yet to me, what is this quintessence of dust? Man delights not me. <laughs> um, yeah, so, you're at yeah. drama school. 
Yes. Um, Your first understanding of the differences in this industry. Yeah, and I just thought, oh, well, that's, that's the way it is then. <laughs> and what happened in terms of the kinds of productions you were in or the work that you were doing? Because you that said was... it was 50-50, so maybe things were not quite as bad when it came to your day-to-day studies. It really didn't figure in my day-to-day yeah. studies. I, I can't say that. I was ever, Because once you're there, you're there. You're not going to be discriminated upon. Um, you're going to be given... In the first year, they, they try and give you parts that are not what you're comfortable with. In the second year. They try and give you parts that you wouldn't normally play. What? what? So I played um, Autolycus in The Winter's Tale, which is predominantly a male Okay, trickster. so they, this, this is good. So, yeah, yeah. So and they, I, and I did already, struggle with yeah. it because it's a real... Yeah known as a and it's about how you interpret his different conniving ways because he's a trickster and he's a man of many faces or then and that, and I guess that way it can be played by anyone and perfect for drama school I have to say yeah I, I, I think that was the hardest part I ever did but I think that would be the hardest part for anyone I think it's a really hard yes. part did you were and there any things also, about him because I don't know anything about when to tell he, he talks um, in prose when the others talk in verse and, and that's really hard because wow. it actually rhythmically is different but does he do anything is there anything bawdy in it in terms of like does he have to because you know sometimes that's an aspect of Shakespeare where is he trying yeah, to he's like he's not bawdy but he is kind of I did a, a scene where I was trying to do a guy from a. I tried him out as a, a foot, like a football fan, <laughs> trying because he's rallying people. He's trying to, and he's, he's appearing loud, and then he's appearing as something else. He's, he's trying to, he's he's trying to get one over on the shepherd and his son, who were stupid, <laughs> and that's all part of it. And. So you went with male, you went with male characters because you thought he's a male character with lots of different faces. But you were always kind of thinking about, even though you're a woman playing it, you were thinking, I'll try lots of different, like, you know, male stereotypes. No offense. (laughs) Well, and I did try all sorts of different things out. But you didn't put him ever as as a female character because you wouldn't have done because he was written by Shakespeare as a man. But that would have to surely also come from the director yes. asking me to try it out. Great and I don't, question. And the director was a male, that? and I don't think he ever asked me that. Right. And I, and I, you know, I'm young and I'm impressionable, and I just didn't know. I didn't know, and I think he struggled. Well, a there's bit. no judgment here. Sorry, I no, just no, like I, to I think, break down I, I the process. I think he struggled a bit with yeah. um, with me being in that part as well. And I think we just generally struggled to understand each other and how we yeah. won't get it to the best it could be. I think, yeah, because in all of the parts, I didn't, I never struggled as much as I did in that one. So you, again, you were learning at 1890, 20, that um, you felt a difficulty in playing a role that was a different gender. Yes, because I am not that man. And had he said to me, be a woman or play it and maybe I would have found it easier I don't know it never got explored actually we just no. tried lots of different male characters. do you think if you'd have said any of this to again stop saying it's your responsibility I'm trying to always yeah, no, think no, no, with yeah. this podcast if, if I, if what I, can we yeah. do to help ourselves if I'd said that to him at the time yeah I reckon he'd have said try it out let's try it out but it just never occurred to me no that, that's part of that. I, I mentioned the bloody patriarchy in every single version of the podcast. <laughs> and I'm sorry for the repeat listeners, but the most important thing I've learned in this whole journey is that we all live within a patriarchy where men are at the top, men make the decisions, and women also allow that and also believe that men should be making decisions. And sometimes it's because we don't know that 
we could be making those decisions ourselves. It is never about judgment or making people feel bad. It's about opening everyone's eyes to the fact that the patriarchal system is outdated, it isn't correct, and we can all do something to um, you know, ask to change things if we think they're not working to benefit our gender or the world as yeah. a whole. <clears throat> There's my sermon. So, and when we aren't out, I'm yeah. not the person. I'm not with the knowledge that I. And I was no. Yeah, it was a different yeah. time, and I was a lot younger. So yeah, but it's it just a fascinating discourse yeah. on what drama school was like. You know, 15 years ago. So. Yeah. Um, uh, okay, so uh, well, I wasn't going to say that on the podcast, Helen. Want to name your age? That's fine. Um, uh, um, we can cut that. Yeah, <laughs> that'll be in the outtake. <laughs> I thought all actresses lied about their age, yeah. which is a whole other sexist. A lot of them do, thing. I think. Yeah. But I just think why <laughs> you shouldn't have to lie, but. Well, that's another thing about parts. There's a whole separate issue again. Someone once told me you should never take your age, and I'm like, what? Why? (laughs) Because Hollywood and uh, the British industry will say that. Well, and that's also. I think that also goes back to there aren't enough parts. Yeah. If there are enough parts written, it wouldn't have. I don't think it would have come up, but. There's definitely this this idea, this really fundamental patriarchal idea that women's primary purpose, because they have a uterus and a womb, is to have children. And once they have given birth to their children, their primary purpose and they're best at looking after them. And that you come to a certain time in your life where, you know, you would be at an age where maybe you wouldn't biologically be able to have children, although yeah. science is changing things. And um, you probably would have had children by now, let's say, if we're all fitting into this patriarchal idea. And um, therefore, you, you wouldn't be having time to, you have no value to society other than as a mother and grandmother. And also, Drama what reflects. A cheering thought. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to again every episode of this. Um and also um it's it's sick it's circular because you were saying even when you were 18 there weren't enough parts written for women and I bet that all the parts that you were playing you know going back to Shakespeare Juliet um you know were all young girls. Indeed they that was that's another thing so um all the parts that I would be eligible for when I came out would be the, the young 20 and, and yeah there was a musical element so yeah musical theatre is a thing but also still young the young heroine the young as it, as it were or what and if if you look at any play there are there are far more younger women than older women in them so it's an everyone complains so it complains about the fact that there are no parts for older women and once you get past 40 that's it like or there's or there's a role that everyone's clamoring for and it's a famous role and it's famous because it's unique you know if you i'm just thinking of you're much better at me at at the uh, plays and musical theater productions but i'm always thinking of there's there's a type of role i think which is like a um brassy the character actress that yeah, is yeah. what they're call, called yeah. from 33 apparently from 33 you can be the character actress because character is associated so a, a different to the ingenue is associated with age and i was Fucking told hell. that that's what i was best placed for <gasps> <laughs> so i'd have to wait till i was 33 before i come into my own <laughs> 
so you go which didn't really happen, so, <laughs> you go to drama school mm. you come out of drama school I think uh, unless there's anything else you want to say about any discrimination no. I think the bad news is already on the wall. <laughs> yeah. um you you come out what's the what's the process then you're pretty much on your own then at the end of drama school you audition you're in a big showcase and agents come and then you might get an agent from that showcase and if you don't you're kind of on your own you gotta find one somehow mm. and I did I think get an agent from that showcase but but yeah not one that anyone particularly liked and lots of people moved on from it because it is quickly. an industry of who you know as as well as oh it's very do. much who you know yeah yeah yeah, it's very much who you know, even more so now, I'd say, because talent used to be important, and I really think it isn't now, with all these celebrity document docu-soaps we've got on. Celebritydom is the thing, really. That yeah. that actually gives you a voice far more than anything else. Do you want to talk about that quickly? We're kind of like, um, we're going about in the chronology, but yeah. I think that you can probably, um, you your eye on that is slightly different to maybe someone who uh, hasn't studied and worked in the profession and so it used to be reality tv because i know having worked at um production houses and tv studios and broadcasters that they are cheaper to make and um you know are quite revenue making because apparently people let's see i don't really like anything anymore i used to love big brother back in the day but i don't really watch that much of it and big brother i guess was the first thing and that was actually while i was at drama school that started so Uh, yeah yeah yeah. and uh, that started off as as being a psychological thing because my uh, first degree mm. was in psychology and I was fascinated in just watching what people do and it's got more and more eroded away into being about watching people fight and, and the yeah. entertainment value in being able to make these people your marionettes and, and change it whereas at the beginning it was literally about what, can, cause they what happens when we put people? It was like Teach Lord of the in. Flies. That was the yeah, idea, right? Yeah, yeah. But, but hopefully not. <laughs> Maybe it's well, not we like never know, but yeah. So now that's moved to. So you said docu soap, which I think is like I don't know if I've heard that term, but it sounds perfect for for what you're saying. Do you want to d- describe it a bit more? Well, I guess what we've got, Towie. That'd be yeah. a docu soap because that is officially real people, but they don't look real. They look. <laughs> they look different. Yes, there's a plastic surgery component. Plastic surgery, heavy makeup, and a lot of makeup component yeah, for that. the for the women. Well, maybe imagine <laughs> the, the, uh, being sexist for the men as well. So. Yeah, I imagine so. Yeah. Or definitely some kind of <laughs> um, trendy Shoreditch kind of thing. Well, no, they're not as trendy as Shoreditch. Are they? They're in Essex, but um, yeah. Anyway, Essex trendy thing. Yeah, Essex trendy thing. But yeah, and, so, and there's no shame in men wearing makeup. But that either, is, a, but that is a, that's not really where we would. That be has going. series, and that has that's that's what I'd call a docu soap because it's they definitely do manipulate what happens. So it looks as if so. If you're a viewer, you're watching it, and you think this is naturally. I don't know whether anyone ever does think this now, but certainly at the beginning, I think people thought. Oh, this is like Hollyoaks. So this is like a soap. Because I, I say Hollyoaks because I always think of that as like younger, the, the focus on the younger people. Um, well, well, and oddly, yeah. if you saw a clip from Hollyoaks, it probably looks like it's from yes. Cowie. <laughs> hey, yeah, yeah. They're, now they're like influencing one another. Yeah. yeah, but um, that's yeah. So it looks like and it might have started. I'm guessing as pure reality TV, which was just filming these people in their lives. It might have, yeah. And then you have a producer, director, whomever, who says you are going to do this you're going to meet this person there and I never quite because I've never worked on those kind of sets I should probably ask just Jen I've just in a, um, interviewed her for the podcast and she works in TV production I should probably ask her about what it's actually like being there but um it, it very much seems to me that that's taking away from actual soaps which involve actors mm-hmm. 
playing fictional characters. Yeah. Imagine so. And not just that. Um, when an actor is out of work, you used to be able to get a job in a pantomime, but they're celebrities now. So they took all the roles too. <laughs> so You had seasonal work and there were things like that where it might be considered lesser, not prestige. Sure, like but you needed some cash and then yes, you, you're going to get your yeah. cash from that pantomime, but you're not because yeah. the celebrity is playing that yeah. role that you had last year or whatever. So this reminds me of a good question, actually. So um, how does it work with pay in the acting business? Um, so if you're on something... So I've only really done theatre. Yeah. I would get paid weekly, generally, through my agent, yeah. if they're so paying they hand, time. They, <laughs> they handled the money? Yeah. But, they yeah. take their commission and they pay yeah. you. So let's talk about you getting a theatre role then, the process. I Well, actually, I went for an audition pretty soon after drama school for a, for a theatre... I'm trying to think... It wasn't Theatre by the Lake, or was it? I don't think it was. It was a small theatre company, but I think it was in the Lake District or something like that. Mm. And they were putting on a, um, a performance of an inspector calls. So I was going for the role of Sheila. Perfect, I'm 21. She's white, and I fit that free. <laughs> as, as, I just like come out lots, of, lots of other girls do. And it was poor pay, but it didn't bother me then, because I, I just wanted a job. And they called me to say I got the job, I said, well, I can't, you need to call my agent. Oh, so they called you directly? No, yeah. no, so hang on, so we're jumping again. So how did you have to audition? Um, I, were you in a room with people? Yeah, no, I turned up and then we were all waiting outside and we were going one at a time. Yeah. And that's the nice audit. That's a normal audition that yeah. you do one because at a time. Because you see a lot, I see a lot of this um, on films and TV depicted. And I'd like to know that it is actually, in your experience at least, how it happens. Because I think I've, I've seen that quite a lot. I think Because the chorus line is, is the perfect example of where they're really dissecting the profession. <laughs> yeah. well. But so it is, you called in one at a time. So do you go yeah. into that room and, and, and also the waiting room? And are they all, like, does she have to be brunette? Did they, did they, did no. they just say girl? So, that, so, they, so female age range. Yeah. Any, anything... They didn't give you anything else for I, that. I can't remember. No. It's so long yeah, ago. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't. I honestly can't no. remember. I think if it was anything that wasn't you or you were concerned about, you'd remember. I mean, I know that that play is written by a playwright from Bradford, so it was where I'm from, yeah. and there are only two women in it, I think. Yeah, and then four men, maybe. Yeah, that's the usual cut. Mm. <laughs> um, but it was. That's what thirty three percent. I think it yeah. said in the twenties or something. I'm not sure. Yeah. So it's a historical. Well, setting. an inspector was considered to be a man, whereas I think you could have the inspector as a girl. No, you, absolutely, you, you and it may could. well have been done. And you can move at yeah. time. You but I've seen it, it a couple of times, and I've only ever seen a man playing the inspector. Yeah. Mm. Um. So. And I remember it, they were really nice and thought my audition was good, obviously, because they called me yeah. to tell them that I've got the part. So, Spoiler alert, you've got a job. But I said, you have to call my agent. They said, okay. Um, I gave them the number. They went back to call my agent. Day passed, another day passed, and I called my agent and asked them what happened. They then said they'd chase it up. Basically, they didn't get hold of them, and they gave it to someone else. <gasps> oh my god! Yeah. So I was really. And your agent was a woman, so I can't even <laughs> try and make out the sexism. So that's just about not having a good 
Ancient. They said they couldn't get through, they gave it to someone else. Because all that brings up the issue yeah. that availability is very important. And, and I and I didn't know, like in my in hindsight, I should have just said, Yeah, I'll take it. You'll need to phone my agent to sort out the details. Because then I'd have been in control of whether I took it or and not. And nobody told you that in drama school. They told you you have to do everything through, through your, your agent. agent. Yeah. And that was the, the expectation that they would pick up the phone and not and they would be yeah. able to get through to them. Oh, well, maybe, you know, they, they thought, do, oh, we yeah. don't want to be on an agent. Or maybe they thought you were, like, you know, saying, I'll oh, speak to my agent because I don't want to tell you no because I've got so many opportunities. Who knows? I might have been, yeah. who knows? It was on the telephone. I, I might have said the wrong thing. I yeah. don't know. But, yeah. So it's a precarious... But it was awful because yeah. that was my first job and then I didn't yeah. get it. Yeah. But I got it and I didn't get it. a valuable lesson. Well, it was a very long time, I think, before I got ne- yeah. the next one. So for, for in, so for other auditions that you've been to, have you? are there any that stand out for, for you know, something where you felt like you might have been discriminated against? Or, or the... There was definitely one um, I went to that was for a film company where the part was for a, a woman being beaten up. And they wanted us to act out the beating up in the room. By a man. By a man. Yeah. And the guy said to me, the the, the actor said to me something like, are you going to be okay? I'm just going to go for it. And I thought he meant shouting. That's what I thought. I thought there's no way he's going to get physical with me because it's an audition and those things have to be choreographed carefully well no he absolutely went for me slamming me against a wall we're having a me too moment to the point where I was like they're going to stop this they're going to stop it they're going to stop it and I think I called out for it to stop at some point um then as we left he was like saying he felt I started walking to the station with this actor he was saying how bad he felt and I was like Hang on, I was as if he was a victim. I, I, I just and I didn't actually even realize the enormity of the situation until I was at home and I realized what had happened. Um, and I did get onto Equity and I did ask them to investigate it. Well done. Um, and investigate the film, film company because they should have been in control of that. That wasn't right. Yeah. Um, and I don't suppose you remember. Again, sorry, I'm obsessed with gender, but um, you don't remember who you were doing. They it were all male. They yeah. were all males. Because all I wonder. As I, I just assumed that. And again, maybe that's biased of me. It was an Asian I wonder, film company, actually. Because, yeah. If okay. We're in, uh, yeah. A cultural difference in here could be that too yeah so um that's that's a factor of it but i'm also thinking that the experience i've had is that if a man if something bad is happening to a man society allows him to speak up but if something is happening to bad is happening to a woman society has been telling them from time immemorial that they're supposed to be quiet they're supposed to just take this or they shouldn't cause a fuss so i wondered if there had been another woman of any you know racial denomination there i wonder if she would have thought if i was in the situation it's not okay because that's yeah. there are power plays there on multiple levels and i get that that scene was supposed to be aggressive and I knew that actor was going to be aggressive in that situation, but you can do that with voice. You can do that in a, in a multitude of ways without being physical, um, I or th- t- mm. tiny physicality, which is not going to be. Um, if if I'm aware that that's it, that's a situation, a tiny physicality or a closeness or a, an invasion of space is understandable, understandably aggressive, mm. but acceptable in that situation, but not physically. Yeah. And, that, and I wasn't. I wasn't. Um, really damaged after after it. It wasn't like he was... No. But, 
But one, it's not acceptable. Two, someone may have become damaged by that. You were lucky enough that that you didn't. And three, he thinks he gave consent, and he would probably, if you asked him about it. Well, I asked you. I asked you at the beginning. I I said, I said, I said, and I just thought, no, you didn't. You whispered something to me, and it was gone, and it was rolling. Even if he said what you think he said, which was, "I'm going to get physical with you." Uh, The issue here again, the difference between the genders, or specifically between you and him, is that you both had a different idea of what that men and for you you would if someone said that you you would think but that would never mean being physically aggressive and doing something which you wouldn't be acceptable in real life yes and he obviously thought that that was okay which may have been if he'd been auditioning for a fist fight with a guy I, i don't know it's still not okay but i mean i wonder it's you know it's it's fascinating what we think is acceptable and what we think is consent and it's based on different ideas yeah. of what's acceptable yeah and and how he wanted to come across on camera i imagine was a bit a big deal of, of that you didn't get the part i hope to god he didn't <laughs> no. he probably did they probably went, you're so realistic this, well i i reported them and i'm sure they might have known i don't know if they knew or not yeah. but they yeah they never told you how it followed up but you you did the right they, thing they did they did keep in contact with me but they can only go so far. They can only warn the company and say that they're like what going to watch them and watch if there are any other reports. But if no one else reports those things, they're not going to get known. And I don't know what happened to the rest of the women in those situations. And yeah. the thing was, we could see through as you're waiting outside, you can see through the glass. And as I came out, people were looking at me strangely, but they, you can't actually hear the level or see the level of what's going on from outside. And um, but all these that, women but, were looking at you, but nobody said. Are you all right? No, no male one said or that. female, male or female. No gender. one said anything. No. And although I did wonder if the, I couldn't work out if they were shocked or whether they had understood. thinking well, that's going to be me. I'm going to have to where, get beaten up, or whether the they actually understood what had happened or could see what happened actually to the extreme maybe they were of looking what it was. to you. Yeah, maybe they were looking to you for a reaction. Yeah, and you were still dealing with it yeah. because the thing about abuse is that in any situation is that it can't. A lot, a lot of uh, mostly male um, provocateurs will will think that if you don't say something then and there, no damage has been done or there isn't something wrong, and perhaps they thought. You, and, and you were still I would processing. As well. I would, yeah, I was totally processing it, and I probably would have said it, it's fine, it's fine, because that's the natural reaction is just is to pick yourself up and just pretend like it's all fine. But but when you take into consideration, it's not normal, it's not right, and I and I did report it. And um, but the thing I was going to say was I actually watched the scene before we went in, and I got an idea of how it was going to be. So I didn't think it was going to be that bad because. I think they just shouted at each other and it was fine and it was it, it was understanding and I thought, okay, I can see what's required here and I can see what's going to happen. So I, I really didn't think it was going to go the way it went just because I'd seen an audition already that looked harmless. But that effect. shows very clearly that that was about his interpretation because you were already set up to think that it wouldn't be like that, having seen two people yeah. act out that situation i suppose that's that's one of the things about enacting truism and realism and but then the, the, the onus was on the film committee because they gave no direction as to what the acceptance level was and he the actor was just trying to do what he thought he had to do to get that role so rather than extent, what was accepted yeah. so that's interesting so to some acceptable. extent you're absolving him a little bit of liability because 
there's it's supposed to be a safe space when you're auditioning and he thought that's what he was being asked to do the whole thing sounds terrible I'm yeah sorry. It, was the main, it was the most terrible experience i think i've ever had um in an auditioning perspective um i've never had an audition like it or since or before that so it's very nice <laughs> but I've to never, think that's an anomaly <laughs> but i've never gone for a damaged woman i think ever, ever ever again or since and there are so many of those parts yeah because also that's a that's a good show of acting ability do do, do you know what I mean I can imagine as as an actress you would think oh I can show vulnerability yeah how to live through domestic violence and yeah Mm. that's the point you need to and also you know it is harder for women to be abusers so and there are less of them I think if you look at all you know yeah, actual crime if, yeah if, 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 if you look yeah. at it yeah I but mean what, what women go do poison <laughs> poison and poison yeah. that's it so, yeah. so that makes me think of um did you ever find that so you were talking about character actress after 33 oh hilarious. yeah so did you did you see lots of tropes so I can imagine there's femme fatale wicked witch ingenue like we were saying did you ever notice that in um in scripts you have a look at? Or... I guess that's in lots of the scripts um, we look at. Um, I, it's funny you ask that because it's not like it comes to me as a, a strange thing. It's just, it seems so normal. It seems so normal that that's just the structure of everything and that's how it is to a point, yeah. I guess. Well, I think we're now reviewing that. That's what's so yeah. good about the world we're in. Well, not good because then you realise all the bad things that have happened. But um, at least once you have the scales fall from your eyes, you can then going forward think that's not okay and it empowers people. Yeah. Well, don't you feel kind of sorry for a fella when he looks like he wants to kiss you? Well, you can't just go around kissing every man that asked you. Didn't anyone ever tell you that? Yo, that told me. It ain't so much a question of not knowing what to do. I know what's right and wrong since I've been ten. I heard a lot of stories and I reckon they are true. About how girls are put upon by men. I know I mustn't fall into the pit. But when I'm with a feller, I forget. I'm just a girl who can't say no. I'm in a terrible fix. I always say, come on, let's go. Just when I ought to say nix. What about singing? What are your favourite musical songs? Which I presume are female. Well, I, well. so as part of what I really grew up listening to were all the old musicals, which probably didn't, don't do the great justice for women either. But um, so it would be Oklahoma and I'd listen to all of Because my mum had a whole load of records and so I would listen to those all the time yeah. and sing them in my room. And Lame Is I went to when I was eight. So that was a big one for me. It Lame has strong female performances that come on the stage, you know, and Anne Hathaway won an Oscar, but also there is a sexual element to every one of the performances, of the female performances. I mean, it's taken from a book as well. Yeah, and a certain period of time. time. (laughs) Which is a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But powerful songs. Powerful songs, Fontaine particularly, her journey And I I guess at the time I liked Miss Saigon as well. Yeah. And she she comes out because she's been... Yes. (laughs) 
Oh, yeah. This um, isn't looking great, is it? Stressful songs. Um, My Fair Lady was a big one that I, I used to do songs from. I used to do Just You Wait. And I, I she has a journey, and she has a journey, a, a good journey, I'd say, mm-hmm. throughout that. And she is very much the star of the musical and the film. She, she is, and she yeah. has a good journey because she comes from... She gets picked as a trophy, I guess. I'm going to turn her into something great. But then it all actually turns... It's it's actually she wins in the end. I I think she she wins. Um, yeah, it's um, at the end of that. One. What what hopefully you know I'm looking for is something where it's a strong female character from the start. But I also yeah. think that um, she is strong in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, but I, yeah, maybe that wasn't the right description. What I mean is, uh, what I was going to say about my fair lady is that it's a great example of here's the stereotype or here's what you think's going to happen and actually no this is what really happens so I have no problem whatsoever when musical writers or Hollywood or whomever upend something that we have all accidentally created as a stereotype you have kindly uh done some homework for us I have done a little bit but I was thinking how well represented women are and I think we were trying to address it since um, 411 BC. <laughs> so, you know, recently, yeah. So um, I pulled out Lysistrata, which Aristophanes wrote in 411 Ooh, hello, BC. hello, right? Classics, um, okay. mainly made up of females. Now we'll know, back in 411 BC, the men would have been playing the females. If they did that in Shakespeare's time, they would have done that pre, I'm sure. Well, well, who knows, actually? Maybe they did a whole thing. Maybe they went full circle. I don't I know. Think it, I think in some ways they were better than us and in some ways they were worse. But I definitely think that they had less... From everything I've heard, they had less of an issue with gender that we seem to have in the Perhaps. modern world. Perhaps. And this... And Lysistrata whether played by a man or a woman back then, is a strong female character. It's the strong female hero of the story. And what, what, do you know much about what it's about? Yeah, so basically it's about men at war and their wives um, being made to be kind of just sexual... Oh, sexual. what a lovely <laughs> play this is. So, so, well, no, so all the wives just feel... And they act up to it to a point. There's a character that acts up to the fact that she's just a sex object for her husband. And um, Lysistrata says, no, stop it. Stop being like this, women. Um, we need to make a stand. So basically they deny sex to all these men. So, and, and that's did, the one what thing. Want, what do they want in return? I'm guessing she had a plan. Um. Yeah, but I think it's more about the fact that they promise to be better to the women. They promise okay. to be better men, yeah. treat them more like people, treat them more like they should be. That That's really her plan. Because she says, stop seeing yourself in this way. That's not how you're supposed... That's not who we are. And so they deny the men sex to the point where they're begging on their knees. That's the thing about it. But, but nobody was... Um... Because, you know, I can't help but think, so nobody forced anyone. So already there was, it seems to me there was a kind of, it was the the social norm was that they would have sex. I don't know this play well enough. But it it sounds like that um, already the men were treating women better than men even treat women today, which was they they didn't um, physically overwhelm the women. 
Because the the horrible reading of this could be if they denied all the more sex, the men, you know, right, rape warmongers them. would just overpower them. So it sounds like, and well, again, I, these are loving relationships from, as well. From what, isn't from it? what I've, yeah. I mean, I only just I, I saw it a very long time time ago, and I recently just looked at a wiki page to remind myself of what it was about. Don't give away your secret. <laughs> <laughs> I recently reacquainted myself. <laughs> yeah. Um, and in the library, yeah. <laughs> and I think they have a, they make like a barricade, and they let him to the point where they lead the man up to the bed, and then they shut it out again. <laughs> so oh they my re- God, I love it. <laughs> so they really they shut need it to out. remake this. Um, and it's or a re- real strong re-stage. female cast. There are there are yeah. at least four or five, and they're the main ones. And then all the men, there are some main ones, but there are just little men parts around. So. It's a good... It, yeah. 400 Do you think it was based on um, uh, truth? I don't know. Um, oh, Aristophanes okay. generally wrote comedies, actually, so I don't know if this is supposed to be a comedy. The truth was well, so far they, away. They come out with a dildo, and the actual thing is actually says, like, they come out with a dildo. And and she and then she goes, bye! Yeah, <laughs> we were talking about, about bawdy reduction. <laughs> they were very bawdy. The Greeks yeah. were messed up, yeah. weren't they? So, um, so that's that. And then... I remember being at school and I think Carol Church wrote Top Girls back then. That was an all-female play, but it was quite a depressing one. Um, but you studied it at school? No, no, I didn't. Oh, no, I, I just, just remember, remember it, you were reading that, it. Around that time, mm-hmm. those were the plays available, which were the most yeah. recent plays, and that was at uh, one with all yeah. women in. So everyone okay, yeah. did that as, yeah. a, as a thing. Now, so we must have been addressing it in the 1980s, but I don't feel like we, we've got any further from that point, really. In yes fact, and no. They've kind of gone away a bit. I, certainly in theatre, anyway. I don't. I can't think. I think that TV and films gain might be theatre's loss. Maybe, yeah. But there is bound to be a theatrical renaissance at some point. I like to think. And dancing. I just one I remember seeing dancing at Lunasa. Um, he was Brian Friel, so an Irish writer, but he has five women and three men in the play. So there, there are about, and um, and again, I don't know if that's cultural because there are so many girls born in the family, and it's very family-oriented yeah. stories. I'm so. guessing it's a Catholic, <laughs> yeah, thing, yeah, or you know, a uh, not, sisters not, are not married, or yeah, <laughs> and, um, not using uh, protection. <laughs> so that's not so many oh, people perhaps, in the family, yeah. yeah. Um, and then I was thinking about. Um, Female writers and going back, and I'm thinking about Afra Ben. So that's in the 1700s. We did have female writers around. And I don't know if she did much for the female cause. And then we had the Brontes and George Eliot, of course, all who went by male names for their pseudonyms to try yeah. and get published. Couldn't get published. Did get published, but only only when they pretended they were men. Um, Is that all three of them? All three of the Brontes did. Yeah, yeah, they all had. I don't think I knew all three of them had to do that. So, yeah, yeah. Well, and they, when they got uncovered. The, I think the publishers were amazed and excited. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> three women wrote books, yeah. but um, but yeah, all three of them went by. And what what time period is that? That's Victorian, uh, and they wrote. So around how, so, so 18- Jane, so Jane, sorry, sorry, 18- 18, middle middle eighteen hundreds. So where does that fit then? So obviously we've just Nick and I have just finished the episode on Pride and Prejudice. So oh, well, Jane not Austen, yeah. yeah. So in so Jane Austen was Jane Austen's it was prior. early eighteen hundreds. Yeah, yeah, but it was. I wonder. She oh, that just shows you that if you have a publisher who believes in you, it didn't really matter when it was because I think that was probably about right, like fifty years. Uh, I think it was. I think Pride and Prejudice was published in. 
1801, or I've made that up, it's 200 years ago, and that's fascinating because... She, she was both, like, the, like no, she knew the king at the time, didn't she? Um, so, yeah, right, prince. aristocratic standing yeah. shows that class might even supersede gender, maybe. Um, but she was not that... She was quite... She was a daughter of a vicar? Of a vi- yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, so I don't know... Was it connections, or was it that someone just believed in her writing? Because I would say, like, yeah, and, and perhaps, I love, but I love all. I've, I've uh, read all through Brontes. I've read Jane Austen. Um, they're, all, they're all. There's no like you can't look at the difference in quality. I, I think in in the Brontes case, Charlotte Bronte for sure, because she's the eldest, and she would have been doing the writing first and trying to get that published first. I think I've seen a documentary about it, so uh, sort of that's a docu docu drama. <laughs> But, but it's actually about real life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Docudrama. Um, but um, she, um, I think she tried, I don't know if her they found her writing too flowery, but maybe she was just a woman and they didn't want to entertain it. And, and she thought, oh, I'll go and do a different pseudonym because they actually uncovered themselves to the publishers after they'd agreed to publish them all, all three of them. And all three of them went. So I um, I wonder as well, like again in the Pride and Prejudice episode, we we talk about the rigid rules of society that people had to follow, and obviously they were at a higher echelon of society than your um, uh, people in uh, Wuthering Heights and, yeah. and all that. But um, I wonder as yeah. well if it was to do with the torrid sexual romantic nature of Wuthering Heights, because there's a lot of like real passion in that book, which is something that Jane Austen doesn't have. She has comedy, she has wit, but she does have passion nobody even kisses in a Jane Austen novel and I wonder maybe that was the difference it was okay to publish like Elizabeth Gaskell it's okay to publish women writers at that time if it was a a light comedy but it wasn't okay to have female writers writing about how women really felt and and male characters but it's you know Wuthering Heights is such a possibly I think Wuthering Heights would have come after Jane Eyre no I think Jane Eyre might have come first oh was Jane Eyre first I I think so well definitely Charlotte Bronte did but yeah she's still got quite passionate she ends up with Mr Rochester and the feelings are very apparent aren't they every book written by Bronte has a lot more but it's more about feelings isn't it those books are more about feelings and perhaps as well readers we're not used to reading about feelings. Or Perhaps publishers thought that readers didn't, didn't want, want to read, to read about, about it. What's it like? Like, what does it actually feel like? Mm, well, it's not always the same. You know, I have, uh, I have good days, bad days, and on my good days, I can, you know almost pass for a normal person but on my bad days I feel like I can't find myself um, I've always been so defined by my intellect, my language my articulation and now sometimes I can see the words hanging in front of me and I can't reach them and I don't know who I am and, and I don't know what I'm going to lose next and then I came on to films that I've recently watched or just the mention of some that I thought would pass the Bechdel test. Now, the Bechdel test really what doesn't what, go yeah. very far. What are your feelings about the Bechdel test? I, I think you're right. Beyond Bechdel is really where we need to look because 
so what if you've got two women speaking for a quick scene, not about a man? It could be the tiniest fleeting scene and really not be representative of the, the theme, the themes of the film, which might be very oppositional to what you would like a woman to be represented in, in the way you want it to be represented. So it's definitely a consideration and certainly a place to start, but I don't think it's a place to end. Um, and, and I think you're right. It's it's about more than that. Would you like a Bechdel test to be rewritten to say that um, there has to be at least 25% of the um, film or TV show that has those conversations would that help you to start with because yeah I I think I think that test really I I actually think that's how people circumvent it I don't think it was ever intended to be more women parts into it yes oh no no then we can have the Helen Hamer test which I think would be from the uh, yeah from this discussion is absolutely about more female parts but I mean as in could we could we start with a greater, a a greater percentage of airtime for women. Yeah, oh, uh, but but also talking about things other than a man. I wonder how many yeah. films, because I know this, whenever I check a film out and I'll say, oh, it passes, but um, nine times out of ten it's passing because it has one or two Well, things. Well, and how often do women, do the men talk about women in these films? So, no, not <laughs> no. unless it's a romantic really? comedy yeah. and that's the yeah. point. Um, and one that came to mind that I haven't watched recently but is in the last few years, still Alice... A great yes. film, and one that really isn't about a man, and very much about female and a terrible disease, and the relationships between people about yeah. those relationships, not about... So that passes... I think that passes the Beyond Bechdel test. Yes. Oh, I love this. The, why did I never think about this before? The Beyond Bechdel test. Okay, so that's... Um, just for those uninitiated, that's um, Julianne Moore, and she has Alzheimer's, is yeah. it? Yeah. And it talks about her... And it's based on a it's based on a book that was a real person, I think. It's definitely based I on a book. Yeah. I presume that's a real person's story. And she is a professor of linguistics, is it? I remember I saw it at the cinema, like, a few years yeah. ago. And it talks about her gradual Gradual decline and decline yes. into the disease. And I she guess. definitely has... I can't remember who plays her husband. Um, yeah, I can't think who plays her husband. It's Interesting. Famous, I can't remember. Alec Baldwin. I think it's really? Alec Baldwin. And Kristen Stewart's her daughter. Yeah, Kristen Stewart's her daughter. So it talks about their relationship. Yeah. But it's it's very much... Uh, and that, you're saying that passes, yes? Yeah. Because, because... They definitely have yeah. conversations about... Right. Uh, what are we saying the Beyond Bechdel test is? That, that there's more well, conversations think... or that it has more prominent female roles? What are we saying in Texas? Um, more prominent female roles about real issues, about real issues where and that affect and, and women. Then you can definitely put a percentage of airtime onto the women in that yeah. film that affect women. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so that film has passed the Beyond Bechdel test. <laughs> so far, it does seem to help to have your primary protagonist as a, as woman. a woman. Correct. Um, Shape of Water. Oh, God, I feel like we could have a whole episode of the podcast just about The Shape of Water. I found it a very strange film. I really liked it. Did you? I you cried see? at the end. I uh, loved it. I, I found it incredibly sexual, mm. which which is not necessarily a bad thing. Certainly but not. But it wasn't what I was <laughs> expecting from the film. I had no idea what to expect, so I went in with no expectations. Mm. But we thought it did pass. It does, because but, but yeah, because of signs. the yeah, and uh, she has the conversations 
uh, with her, Octavia Spencer, who her plays friend. her friend, who's also well. There's also issues because they both pay cleaners. But the, the whole point <laughs> of that film and the reason why I think it did win an Oscar is because it is very much playing on that discrimination, but it's still showing it that the women are treated horribly in that film, and it. I'm not sure. Okay, it passes your Beyond Bechdel test because she's the main character all the way through and that Octavia Spencer's character is in it quite a lot and they have conversations. But they're kind of about the monster or they're about Michael Shannon's horrific character (laughs) who I just hated so He's such a good actor. He's just so horrible. And then, you know, he does unspeakable things to his wife. There's there's a whole sexual aspect to it which I'm not comfortable with. Um, but is it exploited to, to women? I don't know. It's just a weird way of making the film, and I shouldn't necessarily cast my bias on Yeah, that. I don't think so. I think so you, you look too did, deeply So you things. liked it? Oh, yeah, I was crying. I just thought it was a beautiful love story. Mm. That's what I thought. Mm. That's what I got to. And sex is an important part of that. My, none of my issues at all were with um, the creature. Does, it, does he have a name? Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> we're okay, let's move on. Let's move on. Yes. Um, Kingsman. Oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. <laughs> um all so there are about nine boys and one girl doing this test. They all died, but I was I was just annoyed there weren't more girls in the first place. If they're all gonna die, why couldn't you just shove a few more girls in there? Yeah. That gets through <laughs> Roxy and Eggsy. So a girl and a guy. She gets the really crap jobs all the way to the end. She saves the world, basically, on a balloon. It's the worst job you could give someone why he didn't go up there and do that and she ran it from down below i don't know but um she basically saves the world and then he gets the credit then she gets fridged in the next step the next in the next one i was like listen to your fridging i was like she's fridged she's killed off for no apparent reason near the beginning we're of here to educate and depress i would say though and neither passed the back test. yeah i would say though the one thing about well, i think the first kingsman, one does and the second one doesn't the one thing about kingsman is that it's trying really hard not to pass the Beckdale test Next film? Jumanji. I loved Jumanji. The, the Welcome to the Jungle. Yes, the new one. Gender swaps here, though, and they lose a woman to get a man, Jack Black. I was like, oh, why did they have to waste the girl to get him? And the opposing thing was, because he's funny. And I'm like, yeah, but you... But why do you have to be a funny playing a girl? There is that aspect to but it. Then, I'm not saying but it's then, okay. But then couldn't the black guy... Have been a white, uh, a black girl, maybe. If you want to keep, because again, there's diversity problems in that whole setup. But, but I, I couldn't. I hundred percent with you. I think that again, uh, the, these films are playing to a demographic, yeah. and I would say there are still more gamer boys than there are because I think it was playing to a gamer demographic. However, I did, I, abs- I did like it too. I absolutely loved it. I'd read a lot before I saw it about um, the character, the girl character with the girl from Doctor Who, who is. Um, in a skimpy outfit Karen Gillen yeah yeah. and actually because I was prepared I was like no I'm not bothered about this she makes a point of it she has a beautiful body she never she's never sexual you can be well the point is she can't be that's the point she's not she she turns up in a beautiful body she doesn't know how to use it so that's the point isn't it well there's that as well but also it doesn't matter what the intention of the character is if you see someone doing you can still film it in a way with the male gaze or the male heterosexual gaze where um she would be sexual and and she's not she has that great scene with the dance fight 
Yes, where that's she's what I mean, showing... where she's trying to be sexy and she's not really sexy. Yeah, because um, I listened to a um, very famous journalist called Joanna Robinson and she always talks about how women in films only seem to fight women. And what I liked about Welcome to the Jungle was that in, Karen Gillan uses her sexuality, apparently, as dancing as in this weapon. ridiculous dance and then she <laughs> kicks ass with two massive guys. Yeah. Whether it's believable or not, I don't know. But within the confines of a computer game, yeah. I thought it was really yeah. cool. A, and a really good device yeah you're right actually with that one yeah so as a person who has worked Mm. um in the acting industry as a performer do you have any tips on how the industry can improve to help women well so i've mentioned some films there where we could just swap because they're not gender they're not sometimes you need a gender to play that part because they're driving something or they're there for a device they're there for a plot device for anything um that's why you need that gender. But there are lots of parts where it could be a woman or a man, and there's no need for them to be men. And a lot of the time, they are men, and that's, that's what default. I'd like to see change. And maybe in the audition process. Well, let's hope that people are more prepared in the audition process and putting more health and safety in, in place. In fact, I brought that up in a health and safety discussion when when I brought it up when I reported them. I then brought it up in my equity meetings I went to so um so yeah so just generally more representation and and maybe not just as performers as well it sounds like to me something that we've learned from this conversation is that if there have been more women directors producers but whether it's theatre film tv any kind of performance art if you have women within the team who's hiring they will see if women are being or they are more likely I mean, to note like you were when you were watching the films they were more likely to note when some when maybe we should hire a woman I mean job. I've been to some good high profile auditions though and been treated really well and that's the difference when they have money they actually treat you so nicely and when they do and, and they're used to it and they you might be the hundredth person they've seen that day but they're still nice to you and they treat you nicely and they make you feel comfortable and they do everything they can to get the best performance out of you that's that's good. that's the important thing yeah but i'm saying what about asking you to audition in the first place like they might be nice to you but what happens if you only have like two possible roles you could go for in a cast of 30 well that's yeah. down to the that's down to the parts that are written for women isn't it so 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 maybe you're saying you want more female, female writers parts. or or uh, yes yeah, sorry female parts, parts written by written any gender by any gender yeah well on that note thank you so much <laughs> for your time thank you Thank you, Helen Hamer, for such an informative chat. You can hire Helen through her agents, Roe Associates, that's R-O-W-E, or you can find her on Twitter at Hamer underscore Helen. This episode started with an opening monologue, which comes from the film version of a chorus line. And to play us out, Bob Marley's Baby I Love Your Way used to excellent effect in Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle. Thanks very much for listening. Until next time. Bye.
background noises. You need to interview your cats as a secondary. <laughs> like, what are you doing? And also, I'd just like to say Helen has one male and one female cat. <laughs> Very she, equal. She <laughs> believes in equality. <laughs> Every day, I want to tell you.